it's a parable that, that Jesus uh, told. He's told many parables, but he asked me to speak this one this morning, so I'm going to be obedient. And it's the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And Is everybody there? Fantastic. If you're not there, we've got it on these beautiful screens. It'll come up, but I'm going to pray first. Heavenly Father, we, we just thank you that we can be here. We thank you that this is not just any moment. This is a moment in time that you have pinpointed, that you have chosen to speak to your people. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. And uh, I just welcome you even more to come and do what you want to do. Turn this meeting upside down if you want to. We surrender to you and everything that you want to do. And I ask that you would breathe into the hearts of every person in this room, even those in the foyer that are listening. That I pray that you would just begin to move and transform and shape and shift things. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And if you agree, say amen. Awesome. Let's get into it. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour, and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour, and did, and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out, and he found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. We'll just stop there for a moment. Because the reality is, is that God the Father has handpicked every single one of us for the work that he wants us to do. How do I know this? It says in the Bible that we didn't choose him, he chose us. And what I love about this parable is that the landowner, he didn't go and start going, so so what are your qualifications to do the work? He was really wondering, hey, why aren't you working? And let's put you to work. See, Jesus isn't worried about what qualifications we have. He's wanting to know whether we're willing to surrender our lives, surrender everything, and make ourselves willing and available to what he wants us to do. Are you with me? See, I've come to realize that it doesn't really matter how much we know about this thing we call Christianity or how much work we've done for Jesus. If we don't have a heart that's surrendered to Him, then we've missed the point because that's what He wants. He wants a surrendered heart. And it's not this thing where we just surrender once. It's on the daily it's every day that we need to surrender our will to His. Every day that we've got to give up our right for His. We need to surrender it. Because if we're not careful and we don't have a surrendered heart, we're going to find out next in this parable what can happen in verse 8. But first I want to stop, man. Young man with the, with the hat, the black one. Right there, bro, with the red. I just want to say to you, I, I don't know where you fit with Jesus. I've seen you come to youth a couple of times. But I want to say that God has appointed you and he's calling you as a leader. And not just any leader, not just a leader to a youth group, but a, youth, uh, a leader to a generation. 
And he's saying to young man, if you would choose me and surrender what we're talking about and just make yourself available, I'll show you everything you need to do in order to walk out the destiny I have for you. We thank God for you, man, because it's men like you that are going to see this generation come back to a God that loves them. So here we have, if we don't, we've got to be careful. Because if we don't surrender our heart, we can have moments like we're going to read in this parable. Verse 8, it says this. It says, the vineyard owner tells the steward to call the laborers and give them their wages. Beginning with the last to the first, it carries on to say that when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. And likewise, they received each a denarius. Verse 11, and it says, and when they received, they started to complain. They started to complain about, man, this is not fair. Hang on a minute. Look what we've done. These other guys, man, they, these, first guys, these last guys, they've only been here an hour. Like, what's the deal? They get a denarius. Look how hard we have worked. We've worked 12 hours and these guys just rock up and they get the same as us. This is unfair. As I read this, I was like, man, I can kind of relate. I can kind of relate to the ones that turned up late. <laughs> and I can kind of relate to the ones that turned up first. But you know, as I've journeyed with Jesus more and more, I find myself leaning more towards the ones that turned up first. Because I've seen opportunities in my life and I've, and I've, and I've watched people come in and, and, and take, take positions or, or take, and I'm just being honest here, and, and, and just take and, and get opportunities that I've been desiring and I've been praying for and I've been like, man, that's me. And I've got, mate, I should be doing that. And don't you know all the things that I've done for you, Jesus? Come on. But you know what? We've got to be really careful because it can be dangerous. When we do that, when we begin to compare and look at someone else and start to envy and get jealous, we, we begin to look at our co-workers, not as brothers and sisters in Christ and, and ones to, that we're working with to extend the kingdom, but we see them as a threat. And I believe, I didn't say it in the last service, but I believe the reason God wants us to get this is because there's a harvest coming. There is a harvest coming. And unless our hearts are surrendered and we are just making ourselves available, we will miss the ones that come in because rather than seeing them as the harvest and the ones that in this generation that God wants to use, we'll see them as a threat to our positions. We'll see them as a threat to what we're doing. And we'll go, you know what? When our job is not to see them as a threat and hold them back, our job, the greatest leaders propel people further than themselves. Our job is not to see people as a threat, it's to see them as a blessing. How can they enable me to be better and to help the body, man, reach out further to see this world come to know the one, Jesus. Ooh, I'm getting happy. But I'm always happy when I'm reading the Word of God. 
just love him. You know, if we're not continually surrendering ourselves to Jesus, we can become Pharisee-like. And we read it, we read it in the Bible, and we go, oh, mate, far out, look at them. I could never be like that. But, you know, deep down, let's, let's, let's actually ask ourselves in this moment. I'm not asking you to go, man, far out, yeah, I, I connect with that. I'm just saying, hey, just with you and God right now in your heart of hearts, what's going on? You know, are you, are you seeing yourself as better or you've got the self-entitlement like the Pharisees did? They, they, you know, I've done all this work and man, I, I'm, I, I'm Mr. Important. You know, I could find myself being like that. And all it does is rob me from the calling that's on my life. It doesn't rob anybody else. What happens is I allow these seeds to come in and it festers in my heart and I'm the one that gets bent out of shape and derailed. No one else. And the enemy wins. You know, when we allow this stuff to fester in our heart, rather than celebrate the victories that our fellow workers are having, we celebrate their failings. We celebrate when they slip up. We go, oh man, look at that. There's my opportunity to shine. Man, if they just slip up again, man, maybe I could, oh man, I'm gonna get my shot. I wanna say this. If you're insecure and you're feeling like that about actually spend some time with your heavenly father because the reality is no one can take your calling from you no one who he's called you to be he's called nobody else to be he broke the mold when he made you he broke the mold when he made you the only one that can derail it is me because I get my attitude and I take my eyes off Jesus. It says in Hebrews, he's the author and perfecter of my faith. He's the one that makes it all happen. He's the one that wrote, writes the story of my life. But if I'm not connected to the story writer, then whoo, it's going to turn pear-shaped real quick. And I become poison to those that are, that are around me. We've got to get it out. Jesus is saying, man, the harvest is coming. We've got to get rid of it. We've got to just leave it at the cross. Give it back. Man, lay it there. He paid the price for it. Man, it's got to be cut out. And there's only one person that can cut it out, and his name is Jesus Christ. The festering is over. We sang that song. You know, seek me, and you will find me. But I would never be the same again. That needs to be our desire today, that I would never be the same again. Jesus, touch my heart, that I would never be the same again. Do something in my life, that I would not have the attitudes that are holding me here so that I could be propelled into everything that you have for me. He's calling us. And he's calling all of us. Wow. But if we're so like, man, God, look at all the stuff I've done for you. Look at them. They don't deserve it. Why are they where they are? We miss the point. You know, let's check out what it says in, in this conversation where these, these workers began to complain to the landowner. This is just ridiculous. What are you doing? Man, look at the work that we've done. They haven't even sweated. Like, mate, 
this is a joke. Why did I sign up? Why did you get me out of that marketplace? I should have stayed. This is something about attitude. Should have stayed. It would have been better back there. Man, I'll just give up on this. This is a joke. But our attitude. Pastor Cal, you should not have said that, man. It's all coming out now. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. But this, this conversation carries on. And in verse 13, the landowner says this. And he answers one of them and he says, friend, am I doing you no wrong? Did you not agree for a denarius? Verse 14, take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as you. I just want to make this parable real clear. And you might be sitting here and go, I know, Spence, you don't need to make it any clearer. But I think we do need to make it clearer. Because maybe God just wants to tell us it again. We can never hear what's written in here too many times. My Bible says that the Word of God is living and active. And you can read a scripture and it can tell one thing one season and tell you another another season. The depths, the layers are untold. But I want to make it real clear because if you're anything like me, you read a parable and you go, whoo, I understood none of that. Like, man, what were you saying? Jesus, I know you're the one saying it, but man, where are you in that? Like, I can't see you. Can't see you. So I just want to give you, make it clear and just show you where Jesus and how it all works. The landowner is God the Father. The marketplace is the world. The laborers are us. The vineyard is the church. The steward is Jesus. But here's the thing I didn't realize about the denarius, the payment for these laborers. It's actually talking about eternal life. And who are the laborers? They're you and me. See, God the Father, the landowner, comes looking for us. He's the one that comes looking for us. Where does he find us? He finds us in the marketplace, doing our thing. Just make whatever we want. Man, just bound up in sin. And my Bible says no one comes to the Father unless he calls them. We have all been called by our Heavenly Father. He's calling us, he's called us here for those that have responded. But even for the ones that haven't, don't even realize they've been called, you're here because he called you. You guys are right. See, the point is, is that, man, he wants us all to be connected. He's calling us because he wants a relationship with us. It's not because he needs us, but because he wants us. We've got to get that. It's not because he needs us. He wants a relationship with us. But not only that, he's calling us because he, ha he wants to use us to bring everybody else in. The reality is, is that in this church or the churches in New Zealand, God still needs more people to say yes to Jesus, to see this world, see revival sweep the globe. That's why the Father is calling and calling. He's saying, come home, come home. There's work to do. And then I looked at the commentaries and I looked at what the hours meant. 
man, I was like, you know, the third hour, the early hour, the sixth, the ninth, the eleventh. And it was actually, it was relating back to Israel, God's chosen people. That's the first people that were called. But the point that Jesus is making in this parable is that now, man, oh, he's flipped the game. He's changed the game. Jesus changed the game. He says, now it's not just my chosen people. I'm opening it up to all of mankind, and I'm calling everyone to be part of this through my son, Jesus Christ. So he's calling the Gentiles. He's saying, man, I'm calling all nations, all people. There is no one, that, there is no one excluded in this call. I'm calling everyone. And he's saying, you know what? It's not because of that you deserve it that I'm giving it to you. It's not the work that you've done. We, you can't earn this. It's not when you turned up or when you didn't turn up. It's the fact that we, re- we get received by believing and confessing that Jesus is Lord. That's how we receive it. We don't receive it any other way. I believe God's saying to some people, man, stop striving. Striving is resting. Rest in the plan that I have for you. Rest in it. No one's going to steal it from you because you haven't got the right tires to race on their track. You go on their track and you're going to derail. You're going to spin out. So stop looking over there and go, man, I wish I was there. And focus on where he's put you and just be obedient and surrender to his will and just walk it out. It will all unfold in time. Trust me. I've sat on the sideline, all I felt like I was on the sideline for years, going, surely I'm ready. God goes, I'll know when you're ready. You just keep serving. You keep surrendering. And man, I will open the doors when it's time. We can't earn it. It's a free gift. It's by His grace. Unmerited favor. By His grace. And his grace is enough. But these, these, mate, these first guys couldn't get it. They were like, this is absolutely bizarre. Mate, first, this guy calls us up and we get paid last. Then, we get paid the same as them. When, mate, they hardly, did you see that guy? I mean, you can imagine, did you see that guy? He didn't even lift anything today. Like, mate, he took one barrow. Like, mate, he did, mate, did you see what we did? This is, this is, mate, oh, man, they couldn't get it. And sometimes we're a bit like that. We don't get it. We just don't get it, but it's not to get. It's just to chill out and just go, you know what, God, you know what you're doing, and I surrender. So the landowner carries on in this conversation to say in verse 15, he says, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? As I read this, I just automatically had another scripture just pop into my head. And it's Romans 9, chapter 9, verse 20 to 21. And it says, But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the things formed say to him who formed it, Does not the potter have the power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? See, he knows that he's calling us, but he knows exactly the plans and the purposes that he has for our life. He knows we can trust him. He knows exactly where he needs us and where he doesn't need us. 
We can find ourselves in, in areas and striving and trying to make something happen. And you know what? There's no anointing there. There's no anything there because he never called us there. I tell you what, when you get in your lane and you get into where he wants you, man, whoo, honestly, you'll soar like an eagle. And it's like, man, where did I go wrong before? Why was I trying to make it? You know, everything just, man, it, it just feels like, man, have you ever done fencing? I don't know if you've ever done fencing, but man, digging holes through rocks, mate, that's what it feels like. And you just like, it seems like you're just getting nowhere. And then you find a bigger rock. And it's just like, mate, and the crowbar's just not working. And you're just like, that's what it feels like when you're not where God wants you. Hey, he knows where he's got you. We can trust him. Why? Because he loves us. And it's not like the love that we hear about today. Oh, I love you. This amazing word that's been so cheapened. I love you to get what I want. No, that's not the love that God's talking about. He didn't just write about it. He, shared, he showed an example of it. The greatest thing that the world would ever see. And it was simply he sent his own son to come to earth to pay the price for every bad attitude, for every jealous moment, for every angry, outrageous man mess that we've ever caused, every conflict, every bit of unforgiveness, every bit of brokenness. He sent his son Jesus to die, not because we deserved it, but because he needed to have a perfect sacrifice to get the relationship back of a mankind that he loved so much. But someone had to pay the price for it. And it was his own son. Now that's love. So how can we go, you know what, I'm not going to argue with you anymore, God. Look what he did. I think he knows what he's doing. Whenever my heart and my attitude gets me, look what my son Jesus did for you, Spence. Cut it out. Do you think he felt like he did? Do you think that, man, it was all going right? Do you think he was okay? No, mate, but he did it. He was obedient because I called him to it. Are we alive out there? He wants us to lay aside all that garbage and just, man, just take it to the cross and go, you know what, man, I've been carrying this for far too long. Man, I've got to stop looking and comparing myself and getting jealous over these things. And man, I just got to give it to you and trust you, God. That man, you know what you're doing. And just be the son and the daughter that he's called you to be. Get our eyes back on Jesus. Stop focusing on everybody else and just fix them on him. And just respond to the calling that he's put upon your life person that he's called you to be and then we're good you can rest in that and you can just enjoy it hey life's not meant to be a struggle it's meant to be an enjoyment but we make it hey hey it's like trying to put a square in a circle it's like this doesn't work hey so don't try and make it work i'll get a bigger sledgehammer <laughs> it's like no this is going to cause more pain but you know, this last verse, verse 16, says, So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. 
and I read this and, and, and I looked at it and I was like, man, what does this mean? What does it mean? I get that the last will be first and the first shall be last, but what is this many are called and few are chosen? And as I looked at commentaries and, and came to realize the reality is that every single person on earth is called by God the Father, every single person. And at some point in their life, they'll hear that call. They'll hear Him calling and it's our choice whether we respond to the call. No one will make us do it. But God says that everyone, you know, I'm not talking about babies and I'm not talking, I'm talking about of age in your life that you, God will send someone so that you can hear the call of the Father. And maybe you're sitting here right now and you don't even know God. He's calling you. He's calling you through a fella that speaks weird stuff, names Spence, but he's calling you. The creator of heaven and earth, he's calling you and he's saying, hey, man, I've got a plan for your life. Will you respond to me? Will you accept this free gift of eternal life? But as I looked at this and I was like, well, we're all called, but few, but few are chosen. And this is what I came to realize. The way that we go from being called to chosen is we respond in faith to Jesus and we walk out the call in obedience and we become chosen. I believe, and I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I believe that there are people that have been called for some time, but they've stayed called and they haven't become chosen. They've said, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe. But they've stayed just being called. They haven't begun to walk out in obedience the plan and the purposes that God has for their life. Today is the day when it's all going to change. It's all turning around. He's saying today is the day where you're going to begin to walk in your destiny, the one that I always called you to. It's time to take the plunge. I wonder if every, every eye could be bowed. Every eye could be bowed. That's good.